The healthcare industry has undergone transformational change in the past 10 years, especially as it relates to the implementation of technology. Even so, there's much more to do and many companies are out there doing it, but you don't know about them. At Intrepid Healthcare, our podcast will bring you the crazy ones, the rebels, the troublemakers, the ones who see things differently. The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer. Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle. And I couldn't be more excited to bring back a guest who's a trailblazing health IT innovator in care transitions. And they're going to discuss their plans for him 16 We talked right before HIMS 15 and it just doesn't seem possible that it's time again. But here it's going to be in less than 45 days. We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by Tom Ferry, CEO and co-founder of CuraSpan. Tom, welcome back to the show. Joe, thanks again for having me. Thanks so much for making the time and sharing your knowledge. Before we begin our discussion, could you remind the audience about you and your background? Sure. I'm the founder and the president and CEO of CureSpan. CureSpan was founded almost 17 years ago with a focus on care transitions, specifically acute discharge planning to post-acute care transitions. And since that time, we've grown to over 600 hospital customers and over 20,000 connected post-acute care providers. Holy moly, lots of progress. Well, Tom, I mentioned we talked right before HIMSS 15. I don't know if you know this, but I did over 150 interviews last year, and I announced right before Christmas that the CureSpan interview, the one I did with you, was in the top 10 most popular interviewers by our listeners, by how much they listened. So thanks again for participating, for being a supporter of the show. We really do appreciate it. Oh, happy to do it, and uh, that's nice news. Good deal. Let's start with you providing any significant updates at CureSpan since we talked right before last hymns. Last year was an incredibly busy year. I'm sure it was for everyone. And the company continued to grow by all metrics, revenue, customers, new products, employees, and we're doubling the size of our headquarters here in Boston. Holy moly. Uh, yeah. That's it's, great news. <laughs> It's a lot of fun, but it's obviously, as you can imagine, challenging by many respects. The regulatory bodies continue to throw new and new opportunities at all of us, and we have to sit back and interpret how it's going to impact our customers and adjust accordingly and try and address their needs. So we've spent a lot of time focusing on what we now call Emerging markets, which includes new functionality and capabilities on care coordination, value-based care, areas in the BIPC, the COPs, CJR. It's becoming obviously acronym soup, but certainly keeps us all employed. Yes, it does. What do you think the biggest challenges have been in health IT over the past year, and how do you see that going in 2016? You know, we could talk for hours on that. <laughs> Such a complicated, <laughs> yes, we could. complicated topic. You have to look at a number of different individuals that it obviously impacts. First and foremost, it's the givers of care and the users within the technology space, nurses, case managers, doctors. They're continued to be bombarded with new demands on their time. 
new reporting requirements, new procedures. And in the absence of technology, you're asking them to divert more and more of their attention and time on administrative tasks and less time in treating patients and ultimately what many of them get paid for. And so to many, you have to focus on how can I deliver technology or tools that help free up some of their time and allow them to become more productive. Then you have the audience of CIOs and those that are choosing different technology solutions. They're just starting to get their head above water from their EMR selections and implementations. And now they're recognizing that the EMR does a lot. They had to do that implementation. They had to make that decision. But it doesn't address all the needs of their constituents. So now they have to start to weed through the bombardment of new vendors of technology that profess to solve various problems and really sort of cull through that and decide, how do I layer on additional capabilities that are voids in what my EMR vendor can provide? So it's, a, as you well know, a very, very challenging environment for everyone involved to decide how to prioritize their investments, how and who to choose as far as vendor relations, and really ensuring that the technology that you invest in and implement really supports the ever-changing regulatory landscape that is obviously a wild card always. Tom, I couldn't have said it better. You articulated that so well. I often have gotten frustrated in my life about how care was not coordinated. And as I get older and more mature and I become a bigger and bigger expert in healthcare, I realize the key is one of the things you said there, what the providers get paid to do. And one of the reasons our care is not well coordinated is providers aren't getting paid to coordinate our care. They're getting paid to do procedures and they're getting paid to treat us in emergency rooms. There's no way to pay them from one place to another. And now there's penalties in terms of readmission penalties. And I think that's probably helping your products. Can you speak to that? How maybe we could create some regulation that would help incent care coordination? (laughs) I wish I had a crystal ball on that. I'd probably be working at CMS or Congress. I think you raise a very interesting discussion and debate, and it truly is around care coordination. Everyone sort of perceives, and I don't necessarily disagree with this, that care coordination, the, the term is sort of utopia or the panacea. If we could just do care coordination, everything would be okay. But when you truly think about care coordination and what does that mean, there's so many challenges to achieving care coordination. You know, first and foremost, you have all these disparate organizations on different technology platforms with different incentives. And so to get all of these people together to collaborate, communicate, and come to the same conclusion over specific patient populations is really a Mount Everest to climb. But you can start to think about it in a couple of different ways. The first and foremost is, how do you connect all of these disparate organizations so at least they're working off of the same playbook? They have the same information around a patient, so hopefully they can start to reach the same conclusions. And if they don't reach the same conclusions, 
maybe you can audit and measure the decisions that were made to achieve a bad outcome. So you have to think about what brings all of these disparate organizations together, and that's truly care transitions. The one reason for these different providers to actually communicate is when a patient is moving from one particular care setting to another, and both need a certain amount of information to make sure that that placement is an appropriate placement. And that's throughout the continuum of care. It's not to post-acute or post-acute to home. It's post-acute to home and home to primary care physician and community, non-clinical community services. So it's really a very broad and vast network of participants that need to speak a common language. The second piece, which you talked about, which is also critically important, is the incentives that are provided to providers. So when you think about some of the regulatory decisions that are being made, let's take on the bundle payment side or CJR specifically, you're asking an acute care hospital to manage a patient bundle. They're responsible for outcomes that will occur in the post-acute care community But if they're negative outcomes, even though the post-acute community might have contributed to them, they're not penalized. The post-acute community is not penalized. So when you have two different organizations providing care to a patient and that one contributing provider could have a negative impact, but yet they're not penalized, how can you drive to the desired outcomes? It's very difficult to do. So it's going to be interesting to see how some of these theoretical models evolve if you don't have everyone playing from the same set of rules. And that remains to be determined. Right. So how is CureSpan fitting in there and helping consumers and customers and your customers navigate through the problems as they exist today rather than how we can solve the future? Sure. So, again, I think we look at a couple of different levers that can have an impact on the workflows and the decision-making that's required to hopefully drive the most positive outcome. And it comes in a number of different areas. First and foremost, we always look at the workflows from the end users. So within the hospital, you know, when you look at um, the requirements of the discharge planning process and that department, How can they seamlessly receive the information they need to decide what level of care a patient should go, should be placed to, whether they're high risk, and if they're high risk, what's the appropriate care plan that's required in order to potentially drive the most positive outcomes, and then also help them with their network of providers and use the information available to really start to narrow down network of providers that can really deliver the best and most positive outcomes for the specific patient populations. So it really takes a lot of the guesswork out of how to manage specific patients. And then the second piece is we allow the technology really to be utilized in every provider setting. So when you think of any care transition, any connectivity that's required at any level of care, you can utilize the platform to really bridge that communication gap and ensure that clear and seamless handoffs of information pass between those disparate organizations. 
Great, Tom. I'm going to switch gears a little here and talk about the party we're going to go to at the end of February, beginning of March with our 42,000 closest friends <laughs> in Las Vegas. What is Curaspan hoping to accomplish at HIM 16? Well, I think we want to continue where we left off last year, which really was one of our first times at exhibiting. We think it's a really good opportunity to continue to engage in conversation with all of those organizations that we come in contact with. We use it as almost like a laboratory to demonstrate some of the things that we think might be useful, as well as to get feedback from our customer base as the challenges that they see at the forefront that are priorities for them that they need to address in the near term. And so that really helps us focus our resources, particularly our technology and development resources, on where we can come up with solutions that are going to solve their near-term problems. So we like to continue the conversation around care transitions, understand the needs of our customers, and how we can focus our resources to ensure that the solutions that we're delivering are really exceeding our customers' expectations. Great. So you'll be in, I believe, booth 427 this year. Will you be demonstrating product? What types of things will you be doing? We'll be doing a lot of different discussions around some of the regulatory initiatives that are taking place, what we think is most critical, and get feedback as far as whether we're on base with how we should address and approach some of the problems. But many of those addressable answers will be through demonstrations of the solutions that we have currently working in a number of different institutions and sharing the outcomes that we've been able to achieve in the near term. So a lot of it is really tangible, concrete, not only solutions, but outcomes that we hope will really resonate with people looking for answers to some of the questions that they have. Perfect. You mentioned last year was your first big time at Hims. What did you learn last year that you could pass on advice to people that are attending hymns? <laughs> Tongue in cheek. <laughs> Buy more beer than you think you need for, for the after party. <laughs> I love it. I agree with that. <laughs> it's sort of tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, some of the best discussions really occurred happy hour at the booth. Absolutely. You know, people sort of let their guard down and really come and talk to you about what's really important to them. And I think some of the best information sharing occurs when people aren't in performance mode. And so, again, we look forward to those opportunities to really, I think you've phrased it before, seeing old friends and making new ones. Perfect. Have I missed anything about your plans for Hymn 16 that you'd like to share? Wish me luck at the crafts table. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be on the other side. First, I got to win a little bit at blackjack, though, uh, so I can afford to play crafts. I really do enjoy that. Tom, we're about to wrap it up here for today. Before I let you go, where should people go to learn more about the great things you and your team are doing at CuraSpan? Well, obviously, at Hymns, they can come to booth 427. We've also established a relationship with Cerner. They can swing by the Cerner booth and see some demos on how we've integrated with their case management tool. And they can always go to our website at curespan.com. Great, Tom. It was a great pleasure to have you. Thanks for stopping by, sharing your plans for HIMSS and telling us how the care coordination market is evolving. Great. I really appreciate your time. It's always a pleasure.
It is. That wraps this broadcast. On behalf of our guest, Tom Ferry, I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare.